Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. Bill, how you doing? Fine, Michael. How are you? I was very nervous for you after we posted Friday's podcast. And then the Politico headline hits about Ben Carson retracting his falsified story. And I went, oh my gosh, Bill just did this huge watch for Ben Carson. And now this, I was, I was, I was a little nervous, I confess. Man of little faith. Yes. I can't believe our, my own colleague here <laughs> getting nervous. No, no. I Well, it did look for a second there as if they really had caught Ben Carson in some terrible falsification of his record. Then it turned out, well, maybe he had exaggerated a tiny bit, a uh, slightly complicated question of whether he, what way he was offered or semi-offered admission to West Point by whom. Then it turns out he really didn't, I think, say anything much wrong. Uh, um, That's right. In general, for a guy who's talked a lot about his life and tried to use it as, as an example for to inspire other, other people and young people, uh, he seems like he's been pretty accurate, you know, most of the time. A little bit of gilding the lily. Who hasn't in telling stories about his youth? But compared to the normal um, uh, fib telling that has characterized American history, I guess, all the way back to Washington, even though, you know, the cherry tree and all that, I, I think Ben Carson's uh, – I think we know what we're getting with Ben Carson. People can be for him or against him, but the idea that this is – that he somehow disguised his origins or that he didn't do what he said he did uh, growing up and then uh, obviously as an adult – uh, we know who he is. Well, you know, the irony of the same press who uh, admitted on the eve of the 2008 election, we don't really know who Barack Obama is and had no interest in finding out the many, many questions about his biography that were left unanswered and, quite frankly, remain unanswered. Uh, you know, his uh, close association for, with Bill Ayers, with Reverend Wright, et cetera. It is pretty ironic. But I think uh, that Ben Carson may even had a bigger win than that. It, it appears because of the re-re-rewriting that Politico is forced to do, it really looks like Politico just plain got the story wrong. And any fair-minded person would look at what they wrote and say, you know, you didn't get this wrong out of error. You got this wrong out of desire. And that just feeds what seems to be a growing narrative, Bill, that the media just aren't making mistakes. They are openly playing for the Democratic team and are willing to abandon journalistic principles in order to help. And they're openly trying to destroy. I really believe this to be true. And I'm not generally a big media conspiracy guy or even someone who dwells much on media bias. It's a fact. But I always tell fellow Republicans, conservatives, you know, we got to just live with it and work through it, work around it. But in this case, they want to destroy Ben Carson. I think more than they want to destroy the other candidates. They've given Donald Trump a pretty easy ride in truth because they don't mind having Donald Trump be the front-running Republican candidate. They think they eventually they'll destroy him and there's plenty of ammunition there to really damage him. But with Carson, he beats Hillary Clinton in the polls. He's an eloquent, articulate, accomplished, really man of considerable accomplishments, black conservative. And not just a black conservative, a black conservative who's a Christian and talks about how important religion was to his life. Black Christian conservative. That's the trifecta that they cannot stand. And they really have a big stake, I think, in not just defeating Ben Carson. He probably won't be the nominee after all, but in destroying him. And I think that's what this is about. It's why it's been so really disgusting to watch and why I'm glad uh, Carson personally has pushed back, his campaigns pushed back, and others have, have, have done a lot of investigative reporting now to show how incredibly, I wouldn't even say flimsy, just made up a lot of the media narrative is. Uh, and yet uh, Monday morning, CNN continued the we don't know about Ben Carson's life. We don't know the story about he uh, you know, got so angry he st tried to stab an acquaintance uh, and the belt buckle blocked it. And that was the moment can he turned around and he turned towards faith. Uh, I, it's, this is so odd. Watching the press go after we we haven't found any evidence that it's not true. 
therefore you owe it to us to something. I don't know what, provide the evidence that it's not well, true? Or, think about or, it, Michael. Or have a certified letter, dear Mrs. Johnson, right. this is the man I was in the fight with, signed, you know, Ben Carson. It's weird. What if he exaggerated that story? I'm not saying he did. What if right. he had as a way of teaching young people who are angry, who are getting in fights, that they can redeem themselves? We, what does it matter? I mean, we know about Ben Carson's adult life. Very few people's lives are as documented as physicians, right? You go to Yale, you go to medical school, you're head of neuro, uh, pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins for 25 years or something like that. Um, you're pretty well, you know, it's not like you have people don't, it's a mysterious figure whose public actions, whose professional actions aren't well documented. Plus, he's been in the public eye for 25 years. He's a man of faith. I don't think anyone doubts that. Uh, what if he had moved up by three years his turn to faith? What if he exaggerated slightly the stabbing in the belt buckle? I'm not saying he did, but what, right, he, exactly. what if he did to educate, to, 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 to sort of inspire some young people a little bit more? It wouldn't be, it so pales in comparison with the routine lies that Hillary Clinton tells about her behavior as Secretary of State, not about something that happened 45 or 50 years ago, that, I, that one can't even take it seriously. That's why I am struck by how much they want to destroy Ben Carson. They have a pretty big stake, I think, in doing damage to Marco Rubio as well. And I thought his team handled the uh, alleged American Express scandal very well by putting out the documents this weekend. And it just turned out to be, again, you could call it a tempest at a teapot. I'm not even sure there's a teapot's worth exactly. of tempest there. So I think the media is, it must. I hope the mainstream media is feeling pretty bad with a failure to damage both Carson and Rubio over the last few days. Well, my favorite uh, tweets were the ones, boy, it really wasn't fair of, of Marco Rubio to sit on these documents while we wrote all these ridiculous stories, accuse him of wrongdoing. If he had released documents earlier, we wouldn't look so stupid. <laughs> That's the media's complaint. Like, hey, guys, how about waiting until you have the facts first? How about, uh, oh, and this is a crazy notion, as you just mentioned, Bill, uh, treating Marco Rubio's what, seven, eight grand worth of uh, personal charges that he paid for himself on the uh, party card, uh, the same way you treat the $150 million collected by Hillary Clinton for her family foundation while she was Secretary of State, much of it from companies and, and countries that had business for the U.S. I mean, the, I think the media has really not just shot themselves in the foot. I mean, they have shot themselves in every exterior limb and and i i I'm, it, it makes me laugh bill to see them portraying themselves as well ben carson he ought to do a better job of providing us the proof otherwise we're going to look dumb no i do love that and i'm glad they look dumb i hope they uh, hope people remember that they look dumb and it will be an interesting question going forward I mean, I guess the one problem with these debates is it's sort of re the Republican Party is complicit in re-legitimizing the mainstream right. media to the degree that the Republican Party lets them moderate all these debates. I have no problem with tomorrow night's debate. That's all set. But I think they really should take a look at the subsequent debates. And they can just say, look, you know what? We've rethought it. We're going to have debates with different structure, different moderators, and it's nothing personal, but we don't want you guys to do it. And then they've got to be tough in the general election, too, and not right. just succumb to the pressure uh, of and this self-appointed ridiculous debate commission that you have to have debates with these mainstream media moderators. No, I, I agree, and I think it would be a real boost to the elements of the party that are responding to uh, Donald Trump and Ben Carson to see the party say, we get it. We are here to provide you with a nominee, not with, you know, CNBC and MSNBC a nominee. And here's here's Hugh Hewitt and here's maybe Bill Kristol and who's, you know, whoever, you know, from the Wall Street Journal. And here's who we're going to pick because they're going to help people find out about you, not try to work on CNBC's crappy ratings. I think it would be a smart move for the party as a whole. And it 
might cause maybe some of the uh, people who've given up on the insiders to look back and say, well, hey, maybe these guys do know what they're doing. And you could have diverse moderators. I mean, it's not sure. as if it's not as if Rich Lowry of National Review and Policy Go of the Wall Street Journal agree about immigration. It's not as if you and Mark Levin right. agree about Donald Trump. So we could have moderators from talk radio, from print, from TV, who would you know correct, uh, reflect diversity of viewpoints, so that wouldn't all be all the all the questions wouldn't be coming from one angle, without having someone who wishes to do in to damage Republican prospects this fall. So let's talk then, having gotten through this weekend where I think it's safe to say the media did themselves a lot more damage than they did damage to the candidates. And by the way, quick kudos to uh, Ben Carson, who his political chops are the things that I doubt. Can he really, you know, do the campaign? His hilarious tweet about how much money they raised after the attacks came out and then thank you mainstream media. I mean, that just, you know, that had to hurt the Politico editors you know, right in the liver to get it right there. But uh, after God through this week, so where are the candidates as we head into Tuesday night's debate? Who seems to have the momentum? Who's looking good? Does Saturday Night Live do anyone any good, Bill? I didn't see it. I, it sounded like a bit of a, a nothing burger, as they say. And um, I kind of, it fits for that fits for me into the notion that Donald Trump still has a lot of support, but he doesn't have forward, upward momentum, and he doesn't have forward momentum. Um, it'll be interesting to have a debate in which Trump really isn't the central figure. He, he was in the first three debates. He was ahead in the polls. He was the phenomenon. I do think partly because of the media frenzy this weekend, Ben Carson will be probably the most focused on figure at this debate. Uh, but I think they each have interesting tasks. Carson, could he show a kind of political savvy and familiarity with policy to the people who now like him and respect him and wish him well? They could go the next step to thinking, gee, maybe he should be the nominee. Jeb Bush has the opposite sort of challenge. Can he do something to persuade some people that he should still stay in the race, honestly? I think if Bush has a lackluster debate, I think by Thanksgiving it's going to be hard to understand and I say this even sympathetically, honestly, I mean, sure. what, why Jeb, you know, is staying in? Is, well, what's the second act there? Everyone knows him. He, he was a front runner. He's fallen to 4%. Well, what's the sort of comeback strategy? Uh, Chris Christie, I think, will be interesting. He's in the undercard debate, yet he's had a little momentum in New Hampshire. He did well in the last debate. I think if he does well in that undercard debate, he could have a kind of Carly Fiorita moment from, from the first debate where she, remember, was excluded from the sure. main debate and did so well. And then the clips were played over and over again that she got some momentum out of it. It's fizzled a little bit by now. So I sort of think I, I think Christie remains uh, of all the kind of people who are not in the first tier, who are not Trump and Carson or not Rubio and Cruz. I sort of think Christie might have the best chance to come up on the outside and uh, maybe in, in a contrarian way, being excluded from the main debate could ironically help him a little bit tomorrow night. Well, I've heard some people argue that the luckiest person is uh, Senator Lindsey Graham because he gets to stay home. Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know that that's true. But uh, to finish with that, you know, it's CNB. It's, it's a uh, Fox Business Channel, and the Fox Business team they put together is very much going to be focused on the economy. And to me, this is a good uh, uh, test for a couple of the candidates, Ben Carson in particular, to show that they're doing their homework. You know, one of the complaints that I've heard from some folks I like, like our mutual acquaintance Jonah Goldberg, is that there's a certain amount of laziness of kind of, oh, you just know I'm smart. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to show that I've really boned up on economics, my overall economic strategy. I can have a couple of, of general, you know, theories and approaches and that'll be good enough. And I don't know that that's good enough. I'll say as a voter, I want to hear some meat on the bones of exactly how we're going to do something about this worst recovery since World War II. 
And I think someone like Ted Cruz, who's very smart and knows quite a lot, he hinted at a pretty interesting position on monetary policy in the last debate, pretty strong criticism of the Fed, openness to some kind of standard for money, even a gold standard. Um, I wonder if he'll be asked to develop that uh, tomorrow night. And if he can develop it in a persuasive way, I think voters might say, well, that's a guy who's really thought a little bit beyond sort of the obvious kind of let's cut taxes for everyone, right. sort of Republican rhetoric of the last 10, 20 years. I think on trade, there'll be some interesting differences on the Pacific Trade Agreement, too. So, yeah, I think this will be a pretty, I, I think the moderators want to make this by contrast with CNBC, a very substantive and somewhat policy heavy debate, even at the risk of being a little uh, boring, perhaps uh, accused of being a little boring. But I, I kind of agree with you. Voters want now the policy. We've seen the candidates. You know, we've sort of we kind of have a feel for their personalities. Uh, now I think people want some focus on policy. Well, this is so Ben Carson's plan is it to sell the uh, corn they're saving in the pyramids you know, to lift the economy. <laughs> we'll focus on that. The, of course, the best part of the debate, Bill, as you know, is the immediate after the debate. Uh, party that we have here in the podcast where we do an instant post-debate reaction. So people be sure to listen for that. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. Talk to You've you tomorrow listening night. to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.